0: Thank you for listening to Connection Church's podcast. This week, Brandon Williams continues a series entitled Jailbreak. In this message, we explore the issue of selfishness, specifically addressing materialism. Brandon explains that 10 out of 10 people are selfish, and for many of us, there is a stream that goes from our heart to our wallet. What is God calling you today to surrender to Him?
1: Good morning. How's everybody doing? Everybody good? Man, uh, was worship awesome or what, man? Holy cow, that is incredible. So awesome to have talented musicians, but the one thing I can tell you from working with these, these guys and girls week in and week out, the most incredible thing about them is their heart and uh, they truly love the Lord and so thankful. I, I truly feel like right now um, we are and believe we are standing on holy ground. I really believe it. I know Monday through Friday this is a public school and there are a lot of things that go on in here, but today uh, this time and this place is set apart for the Lord. And uh, I believe he's going to do an awesome work in here today. We're going to be uh, continuing this jailbreak series. Before we jump in, though, I do want to um, just, just make one quick announcement, something you're going to be hearing a lot about coming up, and that's something we're doing on October the 1st. Um, some of you may remember last August, August the 29th, we went out and we did a bunch of work in the community and surrounding area. We're going to do something very similar to that this year also. It's going to be Saturday, October 1st. We're going to go out and we're going to minister in the community doing uh, just work, just trying to help people out who, who can't. Uh, do things for themselves, whether it's putting a roof on a house, whether it's building a wheelchair ramp, Um, whether it is going and taking some some children who otherwise maybe would not have the opportunity to monkey joes or or just ministering to them through loving on them, whatever it may be, Um, we're going to be doing some things that day. Um, You'll be hearing a lot about that. We want to just go out and be the hands and feet of Christ and to show people the tangible love of Jesus. Listen, we are the church, the body of Christ, and we want people to understand how much he loves them. And one way we do that is by going out and serving. How awesome would it be if we could put 500 people on the ground in Statesboro, Georgia, on October 1st. I mean, even if we just worked six hours, that's 3,000 man hours that we can put into our community to show this place, the love of Jesus. How awesome would that be? So I want to encourage you, if you've got something on your calendar, delete it, and, um, and just plan to be there on October 1st. It's going to be an awesome time. You're going to get to meet people that maybe you haven't met yet. You're going to get to do work um, if that, that's your thing, and uh, we're going to be having some sign-up sheets coming up soon that you can sign up for areas that, that you want to work, and we'll be announcing all that, but I just want to give you a heads up on it. Um, I'm excited to continue this service. I had a lot of good feedback on it, or this series. I had a lot of good feedback on it, and today we're going to continue this. Um, a lot of you probably remember the way we started this was with a message called he ain't right. And the person who wasn't right was me. And so I looked at five different things that, that I struggle with personally. Um, and and now we're taking those five things and we're breaking them down over these next few weeks to really begin to digest these things and and dissect, probably not digest, but dissect would be a better word. Um, but, but dissect them and break them down because this is what I believe. I believe all five things that I struggle with, most of you struggle with also. And and so we want to be able to help you through the work. Word of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, um, uh, through God's word to be able to break free of these personal prisons that we all uh, we find ourselves in. And, and today we're going to deal with one I know none of you guys deal with, but this one is actually today we're going to deal with selfishness. No, nobody deals with that. It's just me. Um, and we're even going to narrow the focus on that a little bit. We're going to talk about selfishness specifically in materialism. Nobody, I know there's never been a college student who's maxed out a credit card. I know that's never happened, right? You never got a loan um, just to have some extra money. I know we've never done that before either. And and guys, I know like you've never bought another toy just to have another toy. I know that that doesn't happen in real life. But today, um, we're going to talk about it anyway. But but seriously, I know we all deal with this. And so we're going to be dissecting that, looking at that today, and, and really seeing what the Word of God has to say about it. If you have your Bibles, you can turn... To Matthew chapter 19. We're going to begin there in uh, verse 16. And, and if you don't have your Bibles, the words will be up on the screen. And so we're going to jump into this and really uh, begin to see what God tells us about the dangers of materialism and how we overcome it. Let's read Matthew 19, verse 16. Now a man came up to Jesus and asked, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which ones, the man inquired. Jesus replied, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony. Honor your father and your mother and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Peter answered him, we have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Jesus said to them, not Peter just something? I mean, he's like, what, what are we getting out of it, Jesus? In verse 28, he says, Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will sit, also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life but many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this opportunity and just the the, the chance we had to look at your word. God, I'm so thankful that you will allow nothing, nothing, nothing to stand between us and you. God, you wouldn't allow our sin to stand between us and you so you sent your son that he could take the punishment that we deserve, God. And, and, And today we're here because of that. Lord, I'm thankful that that you give us your word you teach us you you put up boundaries for us so that materialism money does not dominate our life god but that you reign you rule and reign as we just saying god that you come and you rule and you reign in our lives and that nothing else has that place in our hearts lord today i pray that everything we talk about would would be an indicator of where we are spiritually where we where our heart is at with you god speak to our hearts may they be open Bear, God, and and that your spirit would have his way here right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and and look at this, this because the deal is, guys, 10 out of 10 people are selfish. If you've been around very long, you've heard me say that, and that's not to offend, that's including me. We are selfish human beings. You can look at a two-year-old, they, they, they've, been, they've learned very little, but they're selfish. They are very, very, very selfish. In fact, um, I know 10 out of 10 people are selfish. I was at a, um, I actually get my hair cut the other day, and, and I was telling people, they were asking me what the ne- next few messages were going to be about, and I was telling them what they were going to be about, and, and, and one of the ladies there said, well, I'm not selfish. The message on fear and insecurity, man, I could really use that one. But I'm not selfish. I was like, oh okay. Um, but ten out of ten people are selfish. I I mean there's no doubting it. Ten out of ten she's like, well, no, I'm not really selfish. I just like to be in control. I said, okay. So why do you want to be in control? Would it be because you want things to be the way you want them to be? And she goes, Oh my gosh, I'm selfish. And I was like, yeah, 10 out of 10. And so it's so funny now. This is a friend of ours. It's so funny now. Every time I see her where it's at the ballpark, wherever it is, she'll come up to me and she'll go, I'm realizing more and more how selfish I really am. And, and so it's just the, the reality of it is, man, we are all selfish. I mean, it, it's just, it's a part of our nature. And, and the good news is that Jesus came and was crucified to crucify that sinful nature. And we can overcome selfishness. It, it, it's something we all deal with. Uh, you, you drop a plate of french fries on the table at my house and you'll see selfishness. It's like Shark Week at our table. It's like, stuff flying everywhere. Because we, we're hungry. And, and, you know, the other thing about it, too, is that, that we... Um, we we love material things. There's not a person in here, like some of you are like me, you're like gadget people, and, and you love gadgets. Some of you, you like just toys, where it's another four-wheeler, where there's, you know, where there's a boat, whatever it is. You, you, know, you, you want that next toy, you want that next thing. We love material things, we, we do. I mean, things, things matter to us. We want to get it, whether you walk into Lowe's and it's like heaven, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, at the tools. Or you walk into a shoe store and you're like, oh my gosh. 50% off. You know, I mean, whatever it is, we love material things, we love things. And 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 I'm no different. The other day we were at Shane's Rib Shack. It was last Sunday. Now get this, I just preached a message last Sunday, right? And, and then I go to, to Shane's Rib Shack, we eat lunch, I walk out, my nine year old says, Can I hold your phone? They're always playing games on my phone, which by the way, is no ordinary phone. It is the iPhone. <laughs> right? It's no ordinary. And so I hand him my phone. He goes around to the other side of our manly van. And he's, he's playing on the iPhone. And then all of a sudden he comes around and literally looks like he has seen a ghost. Like his face is just white as it can be. And he's like, Daddy. And he holds it up and the screen is shattered. I'm like, oh, dear Lord in heaven. I hope he knows you. Because he is about to die. And then there were church people standing around. People just heard me preach, and I'm like, I can't kill him in front of them. And so I'm standing there, I'm like, dang. And Susan's like, now, Brandon, you can't get angry. It was an accident. I'm like, yeah, but, 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 I mean, if it was a Droid or a Blackberry, that's one thing. But it was an iPhone. And, and my iPhone was shattered, and I'm like, oh, dear Lord. And, and so the only thing I could say was like, that's just ridiculous. And so then I get my phone, and, and I'm like going off pouting, you know, because my phone's busted. And you buy the insurance and the insurance don't help. It's still like 100 bucks, 200 bucks to get the thing fixed. And so now my iPhone is just like cracked all down the front. And so, uh, but, but I realized like, man, that thing was important to me. And, and the thing we need to really be able to admit today is that material things are important to us. In fact, the danger is not that material things are, are important to us. It's the place that they have in our heart. And it's the thing we need to realize is that, listen, when, when things become more important to us than Jesus, man, that thing is becoming idol in our life. We've begun to worship that thing. And, and you know, for my eyes, man, it's just a phone. At the end of the day, it's a whole lot more important how I handle that situation with my nine-year-old, eight-year-old, almost nine-year-old, than it is what my phone looks like. But man, it pulls on our heart. And things pull on our heart. And there's always stuff that really, really, really pulls on our heart. And today we're going to talk about the number one competitor for our heart. And that is money. And you hear all these, these messages about tithing and giving and all this stuff. And then the first thing that I know a lot of you do is like, you just check out because you're like, oh, right, they're going to preach, you're talking about money again. But see, here's the thing. Jesus talked so much about money. And then this is what we do as a church because it's not politically correct. We typically talk about it one Sunday a year. Do we not? It'll be like one Sunday a year. We're like, well, now we just want to ask you. And It's like, give us, give us some money. But the deal is, if we'll teach what the Bible says about giving then we don't have to do that. We don't have to beg because we begin to realize that giving is is a good thing. It's an awesome thing. It's a way that we keep our hearts from becoming attached to materialism. It's a way that we keep our hearts from becoming attached to our wallet. And see, what's funny is, man, people get real nervous when you start talking about money. And the reason that is is because our hearts typically have this string that runs from our heart to our back pocket for guys. Or maybe into your pocketbook for girls. And when somebody starts messing with it, you're like, uh-uh, I will smack you. And the deal is, guys, we need to, we need to address this. Today I want to hit this, man. I'm praying that God, for us, for every one of us, for me included, will get punched right in the teeth. I mean, it'll just be bam! And God will do an awesome work in our heart. But I want to throw out a couple of things because I know when you hear somebody starts talking about money, you're like, well, the church must be broke. The church is not broke, Right? We're, we're good. Financially, we are good. Listen, listen to me. Um, we're doing great. We're not going to turn away anything, but we're doing great. God's been good to us. I can take you back and show you the first offering we ever took up. It was $75. The next week, my father-in-law gave $1,000. Our first deposit was $1,075. I think my father-in-law gave the 1000 because he thought his, his daughter and his grandchildren were going to be out on the street. And so he gave that. And so we had like 1075 Listen, God has been faithful all the way through. We don't want something from you. We want something for you. How insane would it be for materialism and for money to be the number one thing that would hold us back from serving and pursuing God and us not talk about it? Because it's politically correct. This is what I say, bump politically correct. Let's get into the real deal. Let's talk about what really matters. The fact that so many of us are in in financial bondage right now. So if God told us to do something, we couldn't do it because we're in bondage. Right now, my wife and I, we're trying to figure out how can we lower the debt that we do have. And so we're doing some things to try to lower the debt. Why? Because we don't want to be held back by finances. If it means we sacrifice, we sacrifice. But one, I want to be able to bless God with my giving. I want to be able to bless his bride, the church, with my giving. I want to be able to bless other ministries with, with our giving. And, and, and I want to be financially free to do that. And we want you to be financially free as well. So that nothing holds you back from pursuing God. The second thing I would tell you is that I'm not buying a boat. I'm not buying a beach house. I'm not buying a lake house. I, I'm not, my kids don't need braces. It's not about this isn't coming to me, right? My, my salary said, set. It's been set for about three years. And, 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 and I'm telling you, it's not about that. It's not about that at all. It, it's, not a, it's not a prosperity message. I'm not going to tell you today that if you'll give us a $1,000 seed today, then next week you'll go to the mailbox and there'll be $10,000. I'm not telling you that. Last time I checked, my wife did not have pink hair and a truckload of makeup. It just was not there. <laughs> and I'm not, this is not, listen, Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. Does that sound like a prosperity message? No. And and today what I want to do is I want to tell you a message about breaking free from the number one competitor for your heart. I'm not not talking about something that's just going to pat you on the back and make you feel. I'm talking about us getting rid of the number one thing that robs us from following God. And that is money and materialism. You hear people say all the time, well, money is the root of all evil. No, it's not. The love of money is. It's not about what you have, it's about what has you. It's, about not, it's not about how big your house is, it's about what really what has you. What's number one in your heart? And so we're going to talk about that. I want to encourage you today that no matter where you're at, you can honor God with your finances. You can honor God. With your finance, you can get out of debt. And here's the deal, guys. I, we don't ever want to challenge you to do something and, and tell you that you can do something without equipping you to do it. Right now, it's just starting. We have a Financial Peace University class going on. It meets, I believe it's on Wednesday nights at 6.30, 6 or 6.30. If you're interested in that, at the end of this message, at the end of this service, you can go out there and sign up for it. Brian Bulmer, he's like the, the financial guru. We're going to make him like start wearing a turban or something. He's like this, this financial guru. And, and, and he's done this. This isn't something he just talks about. This is something he has done. And he'll help you walk through that financially so that you can be set free from financial bondage. And, and he'll help you walk through it. So you can sign up for that after this. But today, what I want to do is talk to you about this, this, this young man who we affectionately come to know him as the rich young ruler. Right? Some, one, one, one story says that he was a rich young man. The other says a rich ruler. So we just combine them and say he was the rich young ruler. But isn't it ironic that really his riches ruled him? Isn't that kind of funny? We, we call him the rich young ruler, but really he was ruled by riches. And we're going to look at some things today. I, I really want to go into identifying some of the, the perceptions we have about God and money and how all of that goes together. And listen, I know that there are people in here who you're like in the 6th, 7th, 8th grade and you're like, well, I don't have any money. Well, listen, that now's a good time to go ahead and get all that right. You're in college and you're like, the only money I got is da-da-da. Now's a good time to go ahead and prepare, get ready, you know, because there's going to be a day when, believe it or not, you'll have a big boy job, you'll have a big girl job and and there's going to be money coming in and you need to know how to take care of it. And so we're going to look at these things out of this scripture. The first thing I want to tell you, the first thing I want to identify and really look at with this rich young man is, is that the thing he was doing is he's looking for God. He's seeking God through a task list. And Jesus was looking to bring a heart change. Okay, listen to this. He says, Now it says, now a man came up to Jesus, this is verse sixteen, and asked, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? And Jesus says, What why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, There's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Obey the commandments. So he's looking, he's like, What do I need to do, God? What's the one thing I need to do? And Jesus is trying to reveal to him in this entire thing. Listen, if you don't hear anything else today, hear this. This is not about how much money you have or don't have. This is about your heart. This is about who has your heart. That's what this whole thing is about. And and this guy's coming to Jesus and saying, look, I'll do whatever. Just tell me what it is. What is it I need to do? And he's thinking, I've lived a really good life. The first clue would have been that when Jesus says, look, there's only one who's good. Because what's this guy doing? He's coming thinking he's good. Why? Because he's checked off some boxes. He's checked off a few things like, I've done this good. And let me tell you, the people who love some, some task list are church people. We love our, our Christian task list, and, and you know why? Because we can feel good about that. We can feel good about it. So we check it off. We're like, okay, I did my daily devotional. Can't remember it, but I did it. You know what I'm saying? I was asleep. I hadn't had any coffee. So I don't remember it. But I did it. Or, or I've been to Sunday school. Uh, you know, I've been to church. I went to church this week. So woo-hoo, I do whatever I want to now. And, and so we check off all these boxes. And, and the funny thing is, you know, when we walk in condemnation, it's because we focus on the speck in our life that we got wrong. But when we walk in self-righteousness, wanting to check all these things off as, as good as, as we, did, we did our deed, we did this, we're focusing on the speck we got right. You see the difference? It's like, it's like we focus on the one thing we got right, not realizing that there's all these things that we're screwed up on. Every one of us. And Jesus comes and he says, listen, there's only one who's good. What's Jesus trying to do? He's trying to show him, listen, your heart is still not right. And he even goes on down further and the disciples are like, who can be saved? Because they saw riches as a sign of God's favor. And they're like, who can be saved then? Jesus, who can be saved? And he goes, with well, man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And he's telling him, listen, you can't do this on your own. And Jesus is telling him, even rich people can have their heart changed by God. And he's, he's, he's showing them, listen, he's trying to show this guy, this has your heart. My question today is, who has your heart? Because here's the deal. God can't have your heart if he doesn't have your wallet. Bottom line. You can't. You can't serve both God and money. You'll love the one and hate the other. So which one do we serve? It's pointing back to our heart. Our tithing, our giving, all of those things point to our heart. They point back to what God's doing in our life. So who has your heart? It's so funny to me because this guy is standing, he's trying to justify himself, make himself righteous in front of Jesus. And here's the thing that he does. He doesn't realize that righteousness is standing in front of him. And here's the thing, guys. If we realize something's wrong with our heart, you know who can fix it? Jesus. The answer is going to probably be Jesus all the way through this today, by the way. So if I ask him, just say Jesus. So who is the one who can fix his heart? Jesus. And he's saying, here it is. And he goes on down and he says, listen, go sell everything. Give it to the poor. And then do what? Follow me. That wasn't Jesus. (laughs) Follow me. Follow me. And, 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 And he wouldn't do it. And Jesus is trying to show him, listen, you've done all these things and he's trying to show that he's checked this list off and, and he's, he's, he's done all these good things to make himself righteous. Jesus quotes all these different commandments and he doesn't quote the first and second because he knows this guy hasn't done the first two. He knows he's, he's not living for God. He knows that he's got idols in his life. And, and this guy's like, man, You know, I've done all these good things. and Jesus is like, it ain't enough. And the thing we need to come to, guys, is we need to realize we can never do enough good things to get to God. You can never do enough good things to get to God. That is why Jesus died on the cross. So that you and I could have our hearts set free. I believe this. Jesus sets our heart free. Tithing and generous giving is one way that we keep our heart free. It's one of the tools God has given us, not to take what we have, but to keep us free so that we don't live in bondage, so we don't live in financial stress and worry, but we live in a place where we're free to live for God. How many of you would love to be able to say right now, I, I have no debt and I am absolutely 100% free to live for God? We, see, y'all, y'all aren't raising y'all. You know you would. And, and, and the deal is, guys, we can do that. We can, Jesus will set us free and if we'll begin to practice the principles of giving, of tithing, of being generous with what we have, we'll begin to take our heart and make it where it does not become attached to material things. Jesus sets us free. He gives us a tool of tithing and giving to keep it free. How many of you hate like when you walk through a spider web? Anybody hate that? Oh my gosh. See, one thing, I hate sticky stuff. The second thing is... I. I'm not a big fan of spiders. Now, I hate snakes more, but I'm not a big fan of spiders either, especially when I don't know where they are. And so you walk through there and you get that thing all over your head and all of a sudden you're like, where's he at? Where's he at? Where's he at? You know, because you're just freaking out. Because you feel like this thing's just crawling all over you. It's like, oh my gosh, where is he? And you're thinking he's like this big and he's about that big. But he's like, oh, and you're just feeling things all over you and it's not there. But you know what's funny is I, I seldom see spider webs across places where... Where we walk very frequently. Like as many spider webs as are probably in my house. Because we're not exactly the best housekeepers in the world. My wife tries it when you got three boys. It's like, we're just glad that they, you know, we don't lose one of them. And so, but, when you, we, but I've never had a spider web across our hallway. Why not? Because I walk through there every day. Several times a day. We walk through there. Now there might be one in the corner. I'm not worried about that. But there's never been one right where I walk through in the hallway. Why? Because I'm constantly going back and I'm I'm, I'm going and there's no way for him to build it. And I believe what happens with materialism is when we take and we move ourselves away from the principles God's given us of tithing and of giving and of of giving generously to other people. then, Then what ends up happening is that web begins to ensnare our heart just like a spider web. And it begins to ensnare us. It begins to trap us. But God's given us the principles of giving, of tithing, of blessing other people so that our hearts are always focused on him. The second one I want to tell you today, the rich young ruler, the rich young man, the young ruler, he sought life through many things. Jesus offered life through only, the only thing that can give life himself. This rich young man was seeking life through all these things. And Jesus is trying to give him life through the only thing that can truly give life, and that's himself. If you've been around here very long, you've probably heard me say this before. But you can have everything minus one thing and have nothing. Or you can have nothing plus one thing and have everything. Some of the happiest people I know, you and I would probably look at and go, They don't have anything. How are they so happy? You make me sick. I mean, that's kind of how we look at it, right? And then we would look at people who seemingly have it all. I mean, they're good looking. They got money. They're Caleb Callahan. Where's he at today? I saw him running around. <laughs> Most interesting man in the world. And, and so, so, so they got it all. But then you look at their life and they're miserable. And, and the thing about it is like, man... They're lacking one thing. And that's what Jesus tries to show this guys. It's not about what you have. It's about your God. It's, it's about having everything minus me. And you got nothing. Or it's about man. I'm willing to forsake it all. To have him. And have everything. And that's what Jesus brings us to. Is this point of understanding. That, that Jesus is, 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 is. His call for our lives. Is to Surrender. His call for our lives is to let it all go. His call for our lives is to to, to literally die to ourselves so that we can live. To lose our life so that we can find life in Him. And He wants to set us free. But we've got to realize that all the things in the world are not going to bring us contentment. It's not going to bring us security. It's not going to bring us happiness. The only thing that's ever going to do that is Him the one thing and here's the thing that I would challenge you with because I know this I know this I don't even have to be a prophet to know this I just know this because there are how many people are in this room right now there are many people in here today who you've tried everything and you're still unfulfilled and there's some of you here today who would say I've tried everything including religion and I'm still unfulfilled and this is the thing I would tell you. Religion doesn't make you fulfilled. Religion makes you frustrated. Religion doesn't, doesn't solve your problems. Jesus helps you go through your problems. You can go to church all you want to, but if we don't know him, it doesn't matter. If he doesn't have our heart, listen, there are times, man, there's so many times, probably multiple times a day that I get frustrated. I get irritated. I, I begin to pout. I begin to worry. I begin to doubt. And you know what I have to do? I have to go back to Luke chapter 10 and say, thank God for my salvation. Thank God that no matter what else happens, I got him. I got him. And that's what matters. And I'm feeling bad when I get worn out and I got kids climbing all over me. I'm like, God, thank you for my salvation. God, thank you for my children. And even though right now I've got one of them in the headlock. Thank you. Thank you, God. And And, you know, and, and then I'm able to come back to the place that, man, I've got it all because I've got him. The third thing that I would tell you is that the rich young ruler sought identity through wealth, not worship. The rich young ruler sought identity through wealth and not worship. How guilty are we of this? I mean, have you ever went to school and you're like, man, they're going to think I'm an idiot. I don't have the right clothes. You know what I'm saying? Or, or, or we think if we can buy And see, when I was little, when I was coming along, this would date me, but, but when I was little, the, those um, original jams, were popular? Anybody remember those? Anybody old enough to remember those? You remember the original jams? And and they were like the Hawaiian looking things, but I always wore the Walmart knockoff and I didn't have the little patch or whatever it was on there that said original jams. And so I always felt like, man, I don't measure up. And you know that we think like that's just like a fourth or fifth grade thing, but you know what? We do the same thing as adults. We do the same thing as, as, as teenagers, as college students, as young adults. We do it as, as old adults. That we measure ourselves by what other people have. And let me go ahead and establish this too. That, that we're rich. We've got everything. We, we God, the Bible says that we've been given everything through Christ. And we're rich. How many of you drove through to, to church today in a car? car? Yeah, good. 93% of the world can't do that. Does that blow your mind? How many of you ate yesterday? How many of you know you're going to eat today? You realize how many people can't say that in the world? Some of you are like, I'm going to eat a bunch. <laughs> how many people can't say that in the world today? And, and the, the reality of it is that, that we, we begin to worship the wealth rather than worshiping God. We begin to worship, worship um, uh, how big our house is. Listen, you're never going to be judged on how big your house is, not by God. I'd be more concerned with how big my God is than how big my house is. we're we're, that doesn't matter and god doesn't care if you if you live in a big house great great that's not the point the point is who has your heart who has your heart the house or god who has your heart are you worshiping that they're trying to find your identity through wealth Are you trying to find your identity through worship? One of the things that this young man does is he comes and he's trying to to find this path to eternal life and he turns away from Jesus. And the thing I realized when he does this is is eternal life will never keep you living for God. Like we want eternal life, right? Nobody wants to die and go to the flaming hells of hellfire. Nobody wants that. And so a lot of times we'll come and we'll say, God, you know, I want you, I need you, Jesus, forgive me. And it's all about trying to nail down eternal life. But the thing that I've realized is like, that will not keep you living for God. That's why we have so many people who will pray a prayer and six months you can't find them. Because it won't keep you. But when you begin to identify yourself with the riches of Jesus, you'll keep living for God. When you begin to identify the spiritual poverty that you have the fact that you are hopelessly lost without christ because we have all sinned and remember how many sins did it take to separate adam and eve from god one and we begin to realize that my goodness and you realize that god has given you all of his riches his mercy his grace all of his riches that'll keep you living for god you'll come to god when things are bad, you'll come to God when you think, oh, if I die, I'm going to hell. But you will keep living for God when you realize he has showered his love and his grace and his mercy on your life and you have gained the riches of Christ. How many of you have ever wanted to be somebody else? Anybody, anybody be honest enough? I did. Like I always wanted to be a baseball player. But when I was like four, five years old, man, my dad worked at night. And so he would, he would be at home with me during the daytime. I, was, I guess I was probably four, maybe five years old at the oldest. And, and there was a game show that came on during that time. How many of you have ever seen The Price is Right? Oh, yeah. And I love The Price is Right. And so one thing that we would do every day that my dad had me is I, I can remember it like it was just he would lay in the floor in front of the TV. And I'd say, OK, Daddy, let's do it. And I would go run down the hall.
0: Brandon Williams, come on down! You're the next contestant on The Price is Right!
1: And so I come running down the hall, and the one thing I wanted more than anything else is I would want my dad to go, You're the next contestant on The Price is Right! Brandon Williams, come on down! And in fact, I loved it so much that I wanted my name to be Brandon Williams, come on down. That's what I wanted to be called. Brandon Williams, come on down. I loved that show, and I so badly wanted to be on it, and, and, you know, I'd even go through the, like, bill, I'd be like, one dollar, Bob, one dollar, you know, and then you had the guy who, like, if the top bill was 600, they'd go 601, so if anything was, you know, and, and that guy needed to be punched in the face, because that just ruined the whole show, you're like, well, now this guy has no chance, What a jerk, you know, and and so there was this deal. It was an identity thing. But the thing that I would say to you is, is you look at all these people on the cover of magazines, girls, listen, you look at all these people that are on TV. You look at all these people who are rich, who are famous, who seemingly have it all. And you look at all of that. You look at all of it. And then you try to place that on yourself. Or guys, we we judge ourselves by by how nice our truck is or, or do we have the right... Whatever it is, listen, and guys don't want to admit that as much as girls, but we do the same exact thing. And my question to you today is, do you really want to be identified in that way or do you want the identity of Christ? He offers us his identity. And here's the thing, why would we want anything to stand between us and that kind of God? that loves us that much and so God gives us the tithe which is listen the tithe is this church word it just means a tenth a tenth of income tenth of gross and tenth of what you make he gives us tithe he gives us generous giving he gives us all of this to make sure that nothing ever comes between us and him I really can't believe I just did that whole price is right thing but whatever I'll be stupid if it gets your attention. So, um, Hey, but, uh, so, so we need to identify with Christ and realize that there's nothing that we can do. There's nothing that, that we, we can help our identity anymore than when we come to Christ and we realize that we are following a God who has placed all of his riches, all of who he is on our lives. And you know what that'll do? That'll get us reprioritizing. That'll get us wanting to live for God. That'll get us wanting to give so that other people can come into the same relationship, the same understanding of who Jesus is. And so we come to a place where we realize that God's given us the tithe. He's given us generous giving so that we can have, come, come to a place where we never lose sight of the fact that he's given us his identity. The fourth one is this. The rich young ruler sought temporary riches. Jesus offered him eternal treasures. The rich young ruler... He, he saw these temporary riches. He, he was unwilling to give up the temporary things. And Jesus is trying to give him something that will never go away. He's trying to give him something that moth and rust can't destroy. He's trying to give him something that will last for eternity. He's saying, come follow me. You can invest in things that, that are going to last forever. Go and give it to the poor. And real quick, I, mean, I don't spend a whole lot of time on this, but I want to give you three areas. Listen, and we're talking about money. There are areas you need to invest your, your time. You need to invest your talents. You need to yeah, invest in all that because those are ways that we also, we store up treasures in heaven. Listen, we, we go and we do things for people. We lead them to Christ, whatever it is that we can do to help people come to Jesus. But today, when we speak of the, the, the trappings of materialism, I want to give you three areas that if you want to invest and have eternal treasure, I believe that these are three areas that we've got to invest in. And the first one is this. It's the local church. It's the local church. Jesus has called us to invest in the local church. The local church is also called Jesus' bride. All through the Old Testament, and in the book of Acts, when people came and they gave, they brought it to the church. They brought it to their local assembly. They gave there. It's something that God calls us to do. It's something that he views as, listen, it will set you free. It's not to bind you up. It's to set you free. I know I've said that a hundred times, but I feel like we've got to get that, that, that thing that's ingrained in our mind. And it's just about writing our check. It's not about just writing your check. It's about giving your heart. I remember one time we had, uh, I'd gone away. I think I was working a retreat or something. And I came back and, and I walked into my office and, and there was an envelope on my desk and it said, uh, you know, dear Brandon, thank you for keeping the vision. Continue doing what you're doing. Um, we love you. Thank you for all you're doing. Got your back. And then they signed it. Well, I took the envelope. I was like, man, that's awesome. Thank you. I started to put it over in my desk drawer because I keep the encouraging things, you know, but can throw away the negative. Um, and, and so I was looking at it. I was like, I'm going to keep that. When I picked it up, there was something in it. I was like, oh, good. I opened it up. When I opened it, it was a check for $30,000. After I got up off the floor, <laughs> I ran through the office. I was like, look at this, look at this. Well, then I came back to my desk, and I noticed something else on my desk. There were some rolled pennies on my desk. And this isn't God teaching you a lesson. I don't know what is. And, and they were rolled pennies. There was like 16 um, 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 rolls of pennies, so about 8 bucks sitting on my desk. And I asked, I like, where did this come from? And they said, well, Miss So-and-so brought it by. She wanted to bless the church. And so she rolled up the pennies she had. And she came by and wanted me to make sure that you got them. And right then, God's like, are you going to celebrate that? The same way you celebrated the 30,000? And so I was like, Whoo! No, I'm just kidding. But it was one of those things where, listen, it wasn't about the amount. It was about the heart. And God's desire is that we would give him our heart, that we wouldn't settle for temporary treasures, but that we would go after those things that are eternal. People, people matter. Everybody in this room has a soul that's going somewhere. And we invest, listen, when we invest in the local church, we're investing in the one thing that is going to last when it's all said and done. What's still going to be here is Jesus and his bride, the church. Now, if this is Jesus' bride, don't you think he wants us to take care of it? Yeah. The other day, we were coming out of Vandy's. It was, la- it was a few Sundays ago. We're coming out of Vandy's, and Susan and I are walking along. You know, my wife's really pretty, so we're walking along, and I'm holding Jackson's hand, and we're walking, and she's got the other hand, and I look over, and there's a guy staring at my wife. And not just, like, glancing like this, And I'm like, no, he didn't. And so we're walking. I'm like, I'm going to blow it off. No big deal. And so we're walking along, walking along, walking along, walking along. And then finally, she gets to her van, um, and I get to my truck, and Jackson was going to ride with me. And so I go to pick him up, and I turn around and look, the guy's still staring at her, just smiling. And I can feel the old Brandon coming back. If, If you didn't know, I used to have what was called a temper. And and so I could feel it. It was creeping. It was building. And I'm like, I'm about to explode. I know my head's going to come off and I'm just going to spin around. And so I put him in the seat. I I buckle him up. I turn around. This guy is still looking. I'm like, Susan, for the love, get in the van. (laughs) But he's still looking. And so I go, I got to handle this. I'm like, pastor or no pastor, let me go talk to this guy. And so I walk over, I walk up to him. I'm like, dude, what's up? Bam. And I didn't really do that, but I wanted to, that's exactly what I wanted to do. And I felt this like this anger beginning to build up. And so I did really, I put him in and I turned around and so I just started looking at him. I was like, we'll just stare at each other. And so finally he saw me and he waved and walked off. I was like, dang, man, you know, and said, but, but there was something in me. Listen, that's my bride. That is my bride. We've been, in marriage, we've been married almost 12 years now. That is my bride. I'm not letting somebody disrespect my bride. I don't care. I, I'm not doing that. Now listen, I would have done it with grace. I would have done it with grace. I'd be like, Jesus loves you. Hey, but seriously, the deal is, guys, she's my bride. I'm going to protect her. I want to take care of her. I want to make sure she's taken care of. If I'm that way about my bride and I'm imperfect, how much more so is Jesus about his bride? That we would take care of her, that we would invest in her, that we would put our treasure there so that it's healthy, so that it's whole. So he calls us to bring our tithes and our offerings to the storehouse. The second thing I want to tell you where we need to invest our money, we need to invest in ministries where we see the evangelism taking place. Everybody know what evangelism is? It's basically the spread of the gospel. It's proclaiming the gospel. It's it's being um, out there bringing people to Christ. And I want to tell you something. We have got some awesome, awesome campus ministries and other ministries in this church that are getting it done. They're seeing people come to Christ. I mean, I would start naming them, but I know I'd leave somebody out and they'd be upset, so I'm not going to name them, but they're here. If you want to know about them so you can invest in them, stop by the next steps table, we'll give you. Listen, we support them ourselves as a church. I support several of them personally because I believe in anything that's reaching people for Christ. And we have a responsibility as individuals and as a church to invest in those ministries that are getting it done. We need to invest in those. The third area that I'll tell you we need to invest is the poor. That's what Jesus told this guy to do. Go sell everything. Give it to the poor. Go sell everything. Give it to the poor. And this is the way I live. This is the way we live as a church. If we see a need and we can meet it, we feel obligated to meet it. You don't have to pray about it. You don't have to think about it. If you see a need, we are called by Jesus Christ to meet the need. And there are times we set a budget for benevolence. Pfft, whatever. I mean, it's, pfft, it's blown. But we're not going to let a need go unmet if we have the capability of meeting it. So the local church, these parachurch organizations that are getting it done, that are reaching people. Listen, the poor, when we're investing in these things, man, we're storing up treasure in heaven where it can't be destroyed. And here's the greatest lie so many of us have bought into is that whoever has the most toys is the happiest. No! Whoever has the most toys just has the most people there to hear the reading of his will. That's it. We need to begin to invest in, in people, invest in those things that Jesus said were important. And then, listen, after that, save money. Save money. Tuck it away. Put it in. Invest it. That's awesome. And then, after that, live and enjoy life. God wants you to enjoy his blessings, he does. But here's the problem we have so many times. So many times, what happens is we get those exactly backwards, right? We, 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 we live and we live it up, man. And we might try to save a little bit if there's some left over. Maybe give a little bit to the poor, maybe the guy holding the sign on the side of the road. Maybe give a little bit to some organization that we know somebody in so we feel like we trust them more to give our money to. And then if there's anything left over after all the leftovers, we give it to God through the church. And here's the thing that I would say, man, that is jacked up. And if that's the way we're living, we need to allow ourselves, we need to allow God to inspect our heart. It's an indicator of where we are as a church. Where it's an indicator of where we are as the body of Christ. And remember, Jesus changes our heart. Jesus touches our lives and changes us from the inside out. And so my question right now is this, how are you investing? Are you investing in eternal things that are going to last? Or are you investing in things... That moth and rust will destroy. The fifth one. The rich young ruler saw everything. Giving everything to Jesus as an obligation. Not an act of worship. The rich young ruler. He saw giving everything to Jesus as this obligation. And not an act of worship. He, he, didn't, he didn't see it as this thing where, where he, um, he, he, would, he would give it to him. And he would give him everything. He, he saw it as this thing of what do I have to do. Can I just do the minimum? Listen, we got a, a short video. We're, we're, we're going to get this thing wrapped up, but there's a short video that we want to show you, um, a testimony from somebody in the church who had this revelation. And so I want to show you this really, really quick.
0: I can remember tithing as a child, uh, tithing off of my allowance. It wasn't much, but it was consistent. And I think it helps me understand why I'm able to do it today. I never really tithed as an adult, Um, never had a home church, so it was kind of easy not to tithe. You never felt the need to or really understood how to or why to. Um, We started coming to connection and uh, we felt a tug to to give something. Um, It wasn't much at first, it was just giving something consistently, every paycheck wasn't really until the Indicator and Elevate series that we really began to understand how to tithe, why to tithe, and why God commanded us to do it. As Brandon went through that series, we just, we started to understand, and I can remember the car ride home Sunday after church, looking at Christy and us both deciding that we we had to do something, we had to make this work. I can also remember later that night remembering, wait a second, he said, he said, 10% of gross. How how am I going to, how's that going to be possible? I've crunched the numbers. The the money's just not there. I don't see how I'm going to be able to do this. But We had made a decision and we were going to stick with it. And it's amazing how faithful God is when we give him what he's commanded us to do. He gives us everything we, 100% of everything we, we have is, is from Him. And He just asks for 10% back. And when we give Him that 10% back, then He rewards us even more. Maybe not always financially, um, but in other areas of your life, and sometimes financially. It's been amazing over the last six months to see how faithful God is when we give Him what He asks for. What he deserves. It hasn't always been easy financially um, every week or every paycheck. um, But but God's been faithful and allowed us to make it work. I would just encourage you to start somewhere. Start small. um, But be consistent with your with your start. Make a goal and stick with it. Um, It doesn't have to be 10% right out of the gate, but you've got to start somewhere. It's amazing how faithful God is when we give Him what He's asked and what He deserves. Amen. See guys, that's,
1: that's somebody just like you and I, who made the commitment that I'm going to honor God. And, and as an act of worship, I'm going to give Him the tithe. But listen, I'm not going to tell you today that you've got to give a tenth. I, I would say that that's the floor, not the ceiling. I would say we, want, we ought to want to honor him with everything we have as much as we can. And you don't have to give a 10, you can give 20, 30, 40%, whatever you want to do. And I would also encourage you, some of you are right now, you're thinking, man, there is no way I can break this bondage. Yes, you can. Start somewhere. It's not some legalistic command. I mean, look, Jesus, Jesus didn't, didn't, didn't come to make us slaves again. He came to set us free. not some legalistic command. This is something that we do out of gratitude for God, out of an act of worship for God. And listen, I want to give you real quick just a couple of things. Why should we worship him? Because he said so. He commanded from Genesis on to bring the first to him. It it also is something where it releases God to release us. Luke Luke chapter 16 verses 10 through 13. It talks very clearly about how if we're faithful with little, he'll give us more. If we're, we're not faithful with earthly things, why would he trust us with spiritual things? And again, God is trying to change our heart. And the third one, the last thing that I would tell you today is that it's a tangible expression of our trust in God. It is a tangible expression of our trust in God. You can go read this for yourself later, but in Exodus um, chapter 13, and then in verses one and two and 11 through 13, God talks about giving the firstborn over to him. And in Exodus 23 verse 19, he talks about giving the first fruit over to him. And he tells us very clearly that the first is supposed to come to him. Now, what is significant about us giving the first? If we give him the first, we're trusting him for the rest. It's a tangible way for us to express our trust in who God is. It's a tangible way to say that, God, no matter what, I'm going to trust you. God, you have my first. You'll always have my first. I'm not allowing those strings or those cobwebs to attach itself from my heart to my wallet. I'm going to trust you with every single thing I have in Exodus uh, chapter 13 and verses 11 through 13. It also talks about how they were supposed to come and give their firstborn of of everything that was born. If it was a clean animal, such as a lamb, they sacrificed that lamb Man, they sacrificed it because it was the firstborn and they killed it. and, And that was the sacrifice. They had to do this. And not on top of all of their Passover sacrifices. They had to do this. But if they had an unclean animal, they had to sacrifice a clean animal for that unclean animal. So they would have to take a lamb without spot or blemish and they would have to sacrifice it for that donkey. That unclean thing. And it says in there to redeem your firstborn son. This is the thing I realize when I read that. And I talk about this every time I talk about giving because it is so amazing to me that God is saying, listen, if something is unclean, it has to be redeemed with an innocent lamb. Here's the incredible thing about that. What did John the Baptist say? When he looks up one day, he's preaching his guts out and he looks up and he sees Jesus coming. And he said, what? Behold, The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And here's the good news today, guys. Listen, God's not about your money. He's not after your money. He's after your heart. And so He sent His Son, the Lamb of God, because we were unclean. And the only option was break our neck as the Bible says that we would die or that the perfect Lamb of God would be our sacrifice. And so God chose to sacrifice his only son so that you and i could have life that is a god i want to give it all up for he gave us life he took his own wrath upon himself that is nuts man that'd be like Dave doing something wrong and me spanking me we serve. And listen, today, we're going to take up an offering right now. The band's going to come up. They're going to play a song. You're going to have an opportunity to come and take up an offering. But this is the thing I want you to realize. If you're just writing a check today to write a check, to put a band-aid on a conscience, don't. Don't write it. If you're going to drop a 20 in just to try to, 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 just try to make yourself feel, just keep it. Because today, this is about worshiping the God who gave his only son so that you and I could be free. It's about us worshiping the God who wouldn't withhold his son so that you and I could be forgiven. And while the band plays, maybe you need to take a minute right where you are and pray and get your heart right before you come and give. Our ushers are gonna put some baskets out right here and right here. And this is what I wanna invite you to do. Come, I know, listen, it is 12 o'clock right now. We got five more minutes o'clock right there i know what time it is rj's ain't going anywhere but if you need to get your heart right i know some of you've already given your tithe this month listen you've already given an offering i understand that that you just come down here and act like you put something i'm just kidding don't do that but just come down here get on your knees and say i'm trusting you god with all i have you've got the first of everything it's mine and we're going to challenge you guys Come and give. Maybe some of you today need to pray about your tithing and you're doing that. But listen, don't let that become just something that's in your budget. Today it's about worship. Listen, there are guys and girls in this, this place right now. Maybe you need to pray about supporting the FCA. Maybe you need to pray about supporting Campus Crusade. Maybe, And listen, if you've got the means, you don't even have to pray about it. Support them. CCF Wesley, B, 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 BFC, CF, whatever they are, I don't know, there's a bunch of them. today is about getting our heart right it's about bringing an offering to the Lord the living God who reigns in us who lives in us like a roaring lion and today we're saying we're not letting anything come between us and that God if you've never accepted Christ and today you know like I need that I need that God this is what I want you to do you can come and give an offering you can give a tithe you can do whatever you want to do you can hit your knees right here but before the song's over I want you to go out these doors listen go out these doors there are going to be people there who want to pray with you we want to love on you and help you take your next steps so that, so that you can walk with God, so that you can know the God of the universe who created everything and now holds it together. He'll forgive you of your past. He'll, he'll give you a future and a hope. I'm going to pray. And we're going to come, we're going to give, and we're going to worship the living God.